0: I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility Podcast. The Future of Mobility Podcast is focused on the pursuit of safe, sustainable, effective, and accessible transportation of goods and people. Given the critical nature of the world's climate and energy needs, these topics have never been more important, and they're certainly important to me. So this podcast is a weekly interview series in which I learn from and put the spotlight on the people helping to develop and implement the technology required to move us forward. Who am I? As mentioned, my name is Brandon Bartnick, and I'm an engineer who realized that making a positive impact is the most important thing to me, both through this podcast and my career in the industry. If you're passionate about any of the topics I cover here, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'd love to connect. Also, if you hear anything you like, please consider sharing the future mobility with a friend or colleague. This podcast is brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. Technology innovation is great, but it doesn't mean anything if we can't bring our impactful products to life, which means we have to build them. And unfortunately, that's easier said than done, especially for startups and evolving companies that need a reliable option for low volume builds. That's where we come in. Edison is your turnkey manufacturing partner, specializing in build and assembly of highly complex products in annual volumes of 10 to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital light approach. If you need a trusted manufacturing partner, then please visit us at edison mfg.com or feel free to reach out to me directly at brandon.bartnick at edison mfg.com or by visiting my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Now to this week's episode. Today's guest is Kevin Mall. Kevin is Director of Strategy, Planning, and Business Development for Mobility Solutions in the Americas at Robert Bosch. In this role, Kevin is responsible for regional strategy development and execution, business planning, and business development activities, including new account development within this region. His role also includes mobility startup engagement and partner activities with other business incubation and acceleration entities, and he is a co-founder of the Detroit Smart Parking Lab. So, fun discussion here, talking for the most part about automated parking. That includes the technology that goes into it, the challenges, some of the use cases, how Bosch is thinking about this. Really fun topic, something that I haven't gotten deep into, but complex use case, maybe more complicated than you might uh, might think on the surface, but also one that with with tremendous tremendous benefit and one where you know we can get there with the current state of a lot of our technology. So fun discussion there. We also talked about the Detroit Smart Parking Lab and the role, why it was started, how kevin's role in being a co-founder there how it serves as a development and technology demonstration platform for technology in a secured um, safe space all of these things and finally talked about so this is coming out in early september 2022 week before the 2022 north american international auto show kicks off in detroit and first time in september not january Bosch's has some fun things planned built around a lot of the things that we discussed in this conversation so we talked about how they're approaching that and some of the things that are going to be on on display there so really fun discussion please enjoy this conversation with Kevin Mall today I'm joined by Kevin Mall Kevin thanks for coming on the show thanks
1: for having me Brandon looking forward to the discussion
0: yeah this, this should be a fun one I think you're uh what, what you guys are doing at, at Bosch some of the stuff you're doing in Detroit area the event coming up uh I think, uh, very, very exciting. So would you mind maybe setting the stage here and talking a bit about what your role is and and what you're doing at Bosh?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking, Brandon. So, um, by definition, my role is, um, director of strategy planning and business development for our mobility solutions sector in the Americas, um, so, um, you know, if you don't know a lot about Bosch, we have four very large uh, business sectors, the largest of which is the mobility sector. And that's where, you know, we act as the largest tier one um, automotive supplier in the world and, you know, put put components on vehicles, um, support vehicles in the field after they're built. Um, and, you know, that's um, uh, a large global business for us. So my role here is, um, You know, helping with the strategy and the planning for that business in the region, um, but also doing business development, establishing new partnerships, um, working on um, meaningful collaborations, and um, doing deployments um, with collaborators like what we'll probably talk about today the Detroit Smart Parking Lab. So, I have, um, I think, one of the coolest jobs at Bosch, and um, I've been at it for quite a while. So, uh it's been uh it's been a great career for me.
0: Cool. And even even within the mobility sector, Bosch covers a, a wide range. Is your role sp- specific to any uh specific technology types or applications?
1: Um I think you could say that. I mean we have um very robust businesses across you know seven or eight operating divisions. Um my role is you know very forward looking so and it's more As opposed to you know developing um, our hardware solutions um, or hardware and software solutions, I'm really looking more at um, new business models and new types of services as we um, transform our business from largely being a um, a hardware products business to being more software and services. Um, That's where my focus is, Um, not just the technology part of it. I'd say probably even less the technology part of it, and more the the business models part of it and how do we um, go to market with these, with these new um, solutions and
0: services. Gotcha. So it's, it's less so that you're looking at new applications for fuel injectors injectors or something like that.
1: Right, right. I mean, all the, all the buzzwords, um, you know, connected, automated, electrified, um, those are uh, focus areas for me, but it's really about You know where it interfaces with the end customer or the consumer or the user of the products. That's really where my focus is.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, maybe it'd be interesting to talk kind of at a at a high level how you how you've thought about this. So this mobility sector, exciting time right now. Certainly a lot that you mentioned: connected, automated, electrification going on. It's an automotive. It's commercial vehicles off highway. It's uh, micromobility. There's the way people are getting moved. I mean, I often say I started this podcast two and a half years ago thinking, yeah, maybe I'll do 10 episodes and I'll cover kind of the the, uh, the big topics and we'll move on. I'm a hundred and whatever. In and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. Cause once you get into this, you realize there's so much exciting stuff being done and so much potential to potentially advance and transform the way that people are getting around and goods are moving. So given this huge ecosystem, how, how have you thought about trying to make sense of that and try to find ways to position boss for success.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you're correct. It is a very large onion to peel, so to speak, because um, there are so many different modes of modality and so many um, important macro trends that are impacting the business. I mean, I think for us, we are really trying to understand um, what the challenges are um, with the end user, whether it's one of our OEM customers or whether it's you know an individual consumer that's leveraging one of our technologies through um, a vehicle um, that is built. Um, so, you know, big companies like ours are often guilty of coming up with some great GWIS technology and then trying to go out and find a, a problem to solve with it. Um, so my role is really the opposite of that is to really try to find out where there's a critical need and then figure out how a Bosch solution could either directly address it or how it could be adapted to address it. Or maybe we combine a couple of technologies together to address a unique um, and emerging challenge. And, um, you know, parking is a great example of that. You know, it, at face value, it doesn't seem like a very sexy topic, but when you think about it, you know every trip starts and ends with parking right well then it doesn't matter what modality of transportation you're, you're talking about really um, and it really is a place where um, a couple of things converge these large trends like connected automated electrified they all converge in a parking use case it's also um, a very interesting convergence of where infrastructure and mobility converge because You've got um, a vehicle or a person driving a vehicle um, interacting with the built environment um, and, you know, a lot of the emerging technologies, whether it's on the road or off the road, are now focused on how does that mode of mo- mobility um, interact with the built environment. And I think there's a ton of room there and we've you know, been putting a pretty decent chunk of energy against um, a parking use case, for example.
0: How do you think about the complexity of this problem? So we we often talk about, you know, long haul on highway driving is very different than urban driving, which is different than suburban driving for, for automated vehicles. Um, when I think about parking, I mean, I think it's kind of two conflicting thoughts that immediately come to mind. One, slow speeds, stationary objects, for the most part, um, seems relatively simple at the same time the most stressful aspects of much of my drives are the parking because those uh those seemingly simple environments end up being quite dynamic more often than you might expect with the way other people have parked and pedestrians or, or whatever so what i'm sure you know or you've thought about this a lot more than i have How how do you think about where this stands on the complexity scale
1: um I think that it's 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 highly complex um, for a number of reasons, both technical and um, from a business model perspective. Because there's a lot of you know mouths to feed in that in that um, ecosystem, um, but also it's simple um, in regards to like if you look at automation, for example. Um, as you already said, you know, moving a vehicle in a low-speed environment is a lot easier than it is, you know, out on an open highway where there's so many variables thrown at you. So I think it's a combination of, of easy and hard. Um, I also think that um, from a um, sustainability perspective, um, it's very hard uh, because, you know, real estate developers are trying to figure out how to optimize, you know, um, their properties to you know if if I think most real estate companies if they could avoid parking garages altogether that would that would be a beautiful thing for them for the consumer you know there's stats that say you know thirty percent of the vehicles emissions are are related to people driving around looking for parking spaces um, and that also is a huge you know uh, time challenge for the driver that's you know looking for the space as well so there's so many factors converging i think you know i would put it pretty high on the complexity scale
0: yeah i i i certainly agree maybe uh i'm trying to think about best way because i think there's many different things we can dive deep into here maybe the, the spock speaking about the detroit um smart parking lab would, would be a good a good, good place here can so can you talk about kind of what what exactly is this and what's what's kind of the objective behind this development yeah.
1: Yeah, um, thanks for asking that. So the Detroit Smart Parking Lab um, is uh, something that we formed Bosch that is in collaboration with Ford Motor Company, um, Bedrock Management Services, who's the largest property developer in Detroit, and um, the state of Michigan's um, Economic Development Corporation. And what we've um, created is an open innovation platform um for um, companies large and small to come and, you know, innovate together and collaborate with each other on um, solutions that, you know, we say parking inspired mobility solutions, including EV charging infrastructure and first and last mile logistics. So it's a physical parking garage that's, you know, owned and operated by Bedrock in the Corktown neighborhood of Detroit, which interestingly is positioned, you know, right in between, Downtown Detroit, where Bedrock has had an amazing impact on the city over the last 10 or so years, and Corktown, which is where um, Ford is developing the Michigan Central development, um, which will, you know, become the headquarters for all of its smart mobility activities. So the garage is right there. We have the entire ground floor dedicated to the parking lab, and that's where um, this innovation and collaboration
0: happens. Can you, can you say why... I guess why why was this the form that it took so if if you're trying to advance and demonstrate um technology can, can you speak how what was it just obvious of hey let's get a parking structure and let's have uh a, a an open space here what, what what would that ideation process look like
1: Yeah it was not initially obvious but it it became obvious and I'll try to explain that so um in the summer of 2020 um Bosch was looking to deploy a technology that we have called automated valet parking, which uses sensors in the infrastructure to um, direct a driverless vehicle from a drop-off point to a parking spot and then back to a pickup point. Um, We collaborated with Bedrock and Ford in this same parking garage to do the demonstration of this technology. And, um, you know, that in itself was an example where you have a, a big tech provider like Bosch, a you know large global OEM like Ford, and a big property developer Bedrock, all working together on trying to solve a mobility challenge, and which is you know this parking use case. Um, the project went great. We learned so much from each other, um, things that we would not have learned on our own. You know, Bosch could deploy this technology in one of our um, you know labs in Farmington Hills or or um, Plymouth here in Metro Detroit. Um, but doing it in a real parking garage is, you know, extremely meaningful and doing it with an operator of a parking garage um, and the OEM uh, really, really, you know, added a lot of value. So when that project was done, we we're all kind of looking at each other like, well, you know, we don't want this party to end. What what can we do to keep it going? And we can see the idea of the lab where lots of projects like that one could manifest themselves in this real world environment and we could, make ourselves available to, you know, primarily startups, but other companies that were looking to to do this kind of work, we create an environment where we're all available um, to collaborate. And, you know, selfishly for Bosch, it gave us a chance to continue deploying our own technologies, but it also gave us a great look at, you know, the really creative, new, impactful technologies that were coming into this domain. So it was just really a win-win for us and then add on the collaboration with these great partners in the state of Michigan. It was, um, you know, that's when it became obvious that we need to do it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I I want to talk about kind of what's what's going on at the Detroit smart parking lab now, but I think taking this uh, automated ballet parking, uh, demonstration case and and digging a little deeper here would would be interesting. So one kind of what, what was the intended outcome? What, what has been the outcome from there? Was that kind of a demonstration for Ford that, hey, this, this Bosch technology is is ready to go. Let's pick a model year and let's start to get this thing into your vehicles in the future. What what was kind of the hope coming out of that?
1: Yeah, um, so, you know, this technology, just a tiny little background on the technology. So um, the way this technology works is that there's um, sensing um, capability that's embedded in the infrastructure. In in the case of that demo, we were using uh, LIDAR, um, and, um, so the parking operator, the property owner has to deploy the, the LIDAR. Mm. Um, and then it talks to the vehicle. And again, in this particular instance, via, via Wi-Fi, and it basically is remote controlling the vehicle. So we're not, um, leveraging any of the sense and compute on the vehicle. Um, so it's a little bit of a different approach. We don't really call it automation. We call it automated, um, for that reason. Um, but there's, you know, we know somewhere down the road um, that even the smartest autonomous vehicle that's doing everything on its own is still going to need to communicate with the built infrastructure um, to know where parking is, um, to know how to to find it, know what spots available. Um, So our mission was to inform the OEM, in this case Ford, and the, the property development community of what they need to do to enable this technology. And for Bosch, we need both of those parties lifting at the same rate. Um, The OEM is not going to enable their vehicles with this technology if there are no parking garages that are enabled and vice versa. The garages, um, you know, uh, won't equip themselves with this technology unless they know there are vehicles there that can use it. So, you know, that's why this demonstration was so important and we've done other ones in other parts of the world. But it's just to raise awareness, get the dialogue going with the OEMs, get the dialogue going with the real estate developers around, um, you know, giving them a view of their future if they were leveraging this technology.
0: So maybe just a, a layer deeper on the tech. So if if you're so you're not leveraging the perception suite from our system on the vehicle, um, but is there so like I don't know? Could I take my off the shelf? vehicle and that's already equipped to communicate or is there some software program or whatever that needs to be built into these vehicles so they can actually leverage the system
1: that's correct yeah you you would it's not a retrofit solution you you would not be able to add this onto to an existing vehicle the vehicle has to come from the factory um enabled with with this capability it is a software solution so um bosch is not um, um requiring, um, Bosch hardware on the vehicle. Um, obviously we love that, but, um, as long as it has, you know, remote, um, start, stop engine, you know, um, uh, ignition feature, um, electric braking, you know, steer by wire, brake by wire, um, those fundamental capabilities, which most vehicles are now being built with, then it only has to have the, um, Software enablement, uh, but it needs to go through that full um, vehicle production cycle um, to um, be fully functional to be an on-the-road vehicle. Even though one of the benefits of this methodology is um, because it's occurring in a parking garage, there's we don't have to worry about you know um, on on the road uh, laws and legislation that allow for um, autonomous vehicle development. Those yeah. and for that reason. We think that um, vehicles can be enabled with this capability much faster and available to the consumer before we eventually see fully autonomous vehicles on the road.
0: Gotcha. And, and so what's the what's the pitch then for the, the property owner, the the parking gr- garage owner, like Bedrock in this case? Is there a uh, return on investment here that you're able to drive cost out from operators or yeah. uh, how's that go?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of really big advantages for um, let's generically call it real estate. Um, one of them is a, is a, just kind of a physical optimization. So our estimates are that um, using this technology, um, you can create a, a density improvement of twenty percent um, just by the simple fact that you don't need to open and close the doors for people to get out of them. You get parked cars very close together. Um, you know, and the the converse of that is, uh, they also could build garages that are 20% smaller, which allows them to better you, you know, utilize their, their asset. Um, so that's a big one. Um, the second one is from a consumer standpoint, um, being able to offer, um, a, a garage with an amenity like, um, automated valley parking where the driver just pulls up to the garage, steps out, sends the vehicle off to park with their smartphone, the vehicle goes and finds a spot in the garage and then when they you know even if they're just on their way back you know let's say i'm leaving the the detroit lions game i can say you know i want my car ready when i get back to the garage and it's sitting there waiting for them um so that's a a big um attraction for customers to, to um park at that location um, and then there are other you know seemingly more basic but equally transformational things like imagine a garage that doesn't have any human being in it because people aren't parking, you know, then you don't have to worry about lighting. You don't have to worry about um, certain elements of security. You don't have to worry about having a service go in and clean the garage and empty the trash cans um, because the vehicles are just moving around in there on their own. Um, You could also start to add services where while the vehicle is, is there, the infrastructure could move it on and off of a charging station, for example. So now you're optimizing your charging infrastructure. You Mm -hmm. could move it to and from a car wash. Um, So there's all these services that can be enabled um, by the operator of the garage, in addition to the other, you know, really meaningful ones like, you know, smaller footprint, better sustainability, that sort of thing. So we think there's, you know, wins across the board for, the real estate developer, and the parking operator.
0: Yeah, it's, it's cool. It sounds like uh, definitely a key enabling technology. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't thought that far down the line to think about, I mean, things like charging um, utilization, but it certainly makes sense. I mean, if someone goes and parks overnight, their car is stuck there and they're going to, I don't know, be, be done charging in a few hours, but then they're stuck utilizing that charger. But if you have the ability to go in and remotely move vehicles in an acceptable manner, then that changes the game there.
1: Yeah, we think that one. You know, we're we're really looking hard at that use case. We've got a demonstration of that combination of, um, you know, automated vehicle movement along with, um, uh, in the case of the lab, we have uh, wireless charging deployments there as well. So we can kind of get people thinking about watch. You know, they watch the car move on its own on and off of a wireless charging station. You really start to to understand and appreciate the benefits that that can provide for the consumer and for the, um, for the infrastructure provider.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, what wireless charging too, um, on its, on its surface, it has some good advantages. I don't know, am thinking in my, in my garage, but at the same time, it's not that big of a challenge for me to just grab the plug and. I mean, it's more of a convenience thing than anything, but it is in these situations when you're adding automation to the mix, the complexity of needing to somehow plug in a physical charger, but I think makes that a non-starter. Um, most likely, but if you, if you can utilize a wireless charging system, then that certainly makes it much easier.
1: That's right. Yeah. We think it's a game changer. Um, think of airports. Um, think of um, logistics facilities. If you could move a fleet of delivery vans, you know, overnight on and off of charging um, yeah. it makes the electrification equation a lot easier. Um, even um, a lot of the OEMs are looking at it. From um, what we would call a plant marshaling perspective, being able to, when the vehicle comes off the line, um, have it drive on its own to the marshaling yard for, you know, transport to final destination where you don't have Mm. to have people moving the cars. You can park them a lot closer together. The other really fascinating use case that we um, looked at very closely in the garage um, in the smart parking lab was with um, Enterprise. Enterprise. who has the you know, Enterprise Elmo National Rental Brands, we we demonstrated this automated alley parking technology, moving the vehicle through what they call the quick turnaround process, where the vehicle gets fueled and, and cleaned and car washed between rentals. We simulated that whole process in the lab and proved that it could be done to move the vehicle through these stations without a human driver. Um, Think about somebody like Enterprise, who's got you know over a million cars in their fleet. Every time a human being has to touch that car and move it, it costs costs money. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the 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 operational optimization optimizations that something like this offers um, is really meaningful in that
0: domain as well. So, what would uh, I mean? I certainly, from a uh, sales process perspective, the ability to have a live demonstration speaks volumes uh, kind of the actual technology and, and showing and letting the customer the p- potential customer um, connect some dots and, and realize how this thing could actually be utilized I'm, I'm imagining that the uh, situation that you just explained you're able to do in the Detroit smart parking lab um, what what would something like that look like if you didn't have this dedicated facility would you have still been able to do a demonstration for enterprise or how how would you have gone by gone about that
1: yeah um, it, it, it made it a, a lot easier to do it because we had a dedicated, secure environment. Um, we had, you know, I haven't really talked about this yet, but the role of the state of Michigan, um, um, aside from just being a great collaborator, is they've made um, grant funds available through their Michigan Mobility funding platform, so the companies that want to come and test in the lab um, can apply for, for a grant. And, and get funding to help them Of course you know enterprise is a very very large organization they don't necessarily need to depend on grant money to do things but the fact that um, there was some funding available to assist this de- deployment it just you know when all these things stacked up you know we kept removing barriers to doing it and and finally we said yes, let's go do it and then being there, being in close proximity to their airport operations, and getting subject matter experts from the airport to come over and look at it, and you know, we we went to great lengths to create props in the lab um, to simulate the car wash, for example. All the things you have to think about an automated vehicle moving through a car wash. There's like hundreds of variables that you don't even really think of or appreciate until you watch the car go through you know, this simulated space with no driver in it and, and, you know, what happens if these things, you know, happen in the process. So um, really, yeah. really fascinating in uh, the learnings that we got in doing that together.
0: Yeah, the auto- automated car wash on the surface seems uh, pretty crazy with them. I mean, you get water coming on and off and soap suds coming on and off all your sensors and you got often physical things going, swiping across. And it has got to be a nightmare for that vehicle to understand where it actually is in physical space.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a really challenging um, problem, and uh, I I would love to say that we we solved it through that experience. We haven't, but we sure learned a lot more about what those specific challenges are through that
0: dialogue. Cool. So, are there any other applications for this automated valley parking or other automated parking kind of outside of the garage environment um, that are worth talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we're we're scratching the surface on on the applications, and you know, the the smart parking lab just by its physical nature, it's it's looking at parking structures. But when you try to take this technology, you know, outside to a surface lot, for example, with you know exposed to the weather and so on and so on, you know, there's a whole bunch of other challenges um, that come into play. So um, we will continue to look at that as well, but. Um, you know the parking challenge is not just the movement of the vehicle you consider the the gate systems and how do you move vehicles in and out and how do you um, automate payment processes Mm -hmm. Um, for um, you know parking app providers you can you know tell the consumer where the parking garage is or where the parking lot is but you can't necessarily you don't necessarily have visibility inside the garage to where the spaces are available, nor do you have the ability to maybe reserve certain spaces. So um, that's another challenge we're tackling in the lab, working with a um, company like Arrive, um, who is a you know parking a technology provider. And um, how do we use cameras that we've embedded in the environment to um, um, be the eyes of the solution and say, here's an available parking spot. Here's how you find it. Um, or... For example, here's a charging station that shows on the charging network that it's available, but, um, you know, there's a, a, a gasoline-powered vehicle that's, you know, iced that spot, and it's just not plugged in, so it looks like it's available. So there's all of these combinations of, of technologies and use cases that we are exposing at the lab. Um, and, you know, our goal is to, to create this environment where, companies can come in and everything they need to test is there, whether it's cameras or, you know, eventually we're going to have a local 5G deployment there where people can test 5G to communicate with the vehicle. Um, there is just so many different challenges. One of the unique ones, uh, kind of an add-on to that um, parking app with the cameras is, is um, being able to identify if handicap spot is available in the garage? And if it is, if there are, I mean, of course, there would be handicapped parking, but are they wheelchair accessible? And where is that parking spot um, uh, in perspective to uh, the building ingress and egress? Is it next to an elevator? Is is there a door where it's easy to get out? Like, you can make all that information available through the parking app. And that's a, you know, a part of our community that, you know, um, I think is underserved in a lot of ways. And this is, you know, bringing new capabilities um, to their use cases as well so uh, it seems like the, the sky's the limit on the number of different use cases and technologies that we can tackle in the lab and around parking in general
0: how do you make and you, you touched on earlier there's technology challenges and there's business model challenges and as you're explaining these diff- some of these different use cases for parking and like this handicap situation there's so many different different potential people who could benefit from a a solution like this right but there's also I imagine a lot of people around the table with different bits and pieces of this who you need buy-in from and um, whether it's an investment or how do you think about trying to navigate this complex business environment to actually pull a solution together so you don't just sit and turn your wheels with a great idea that never actually goes into production
1: yeah. Great question. And, you know, that's where going back, you know, to my introduction, even, you know, the, some of the things that I focus on is the the technology um, path has to be in parallel with the business model path. Um, as you said, if you think about automated valley parking, um, you know, you've got all these different stakeholders. You've got the consumer, obviously. You've got the parking operator. You've got the, the real estate um, entity that owns the garage you've got um, the OEM that is you know enabling this capability through their vehicle you've got Bosch who is you know providing the technology to the vehicle and is kind of the middleware between the vehicle and the garage. Um, every one of those stakeholders wants um, to benefit in that transaction um, and having an environment like this where we're bringing all of us together, to, to look at this and study it, um, just facilitates that dialogue and it, it helps us each kind of advocate for our own position, um, in that ecosystem. And, um, that is also what is really compelling about, about the lab is it, it, it facilitates and creates that dialogue, um, in addition to trying to solve the technology challenges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Definitely, uh, an area that needs attention. Uh, what would, would what other uh, bosch technology or general technology is deployed in the the smart parking lab that's uh, that you would want to highlight
1: yeah thank you for asking um so I, I referenced the cameras so um, Bosch through our um, building technologies um, business we have really robust portfolio of um, video um capabilities, you know, um, video as a sensor, uh, we like to call it. Um, So that network of cameras that's deployed is actually powering four or five other um, technology demonstrations. Um, I I referenced Arrive. um, We're doing a project with a company called Yoshi that's using those cameras to power their solution to bring remote um, charging and vehicle service to the vehicle in the garage. Um, We've done some work with, um, enterprise on, um, curbside management, where we're using the cameras to, to help understand, you know, how to inform their shuttle bus operations of how many people are waiting and how long they've been waiting. Um, so cameras are big. We've deployed our own, um, charging infrastructure. We have a a portfolio of, um, level two and and, uh, DC fast charging solutions that, um, we uh, bring to the market. So some of those level two solutions are in the garage. Um, We've got an e-bike charging infrastructure solution. So um, Bosch um, builds the um, powertrain and and batteries and battery management systems for e-bikes. So we integrate with the bike OEMs like Trek. Um, So we have um, a demonstration of a charging um, solution for e-bikes that's coming out of Europe that we've deployed in the lab and, and are testing and demonstrating. Um, we have a technology called Ride Care, which is an, um, a um, solution for um, interior vehicle monitoring for um, things like smoking and then also damage detection. We've got a solution called Perfectly Keyless that you know provides um, vehicle access via the, the smartphone. And then we've got a couple of sensors that. Um, are deployed there that are, um, measuring air quality and also, um, using acoustics to, um, to do things like, um, you know, monitoring ambient noise levels, but also do some traffic counting, um, type, type things. So, um, and that's just the, the, hopefully the tip of the iceberg of what eventually Bosch will deploy in the lab.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Wide range of certainly relevant topics and maybe, uh, I don't somewhat somewhat self interested question, but I'm I'm curious when I hear something like this. So, um, uh, I I think you know I mentioned before when we were talking. I'm I'm now I'm with Edison, who's focused on building assembly of uh, complex mobility products, which is a nice kind of streamlined. This, this is what we do. There's a lot more to it in the background, but for now, this is what we do, and it's it's so simple. Uh, previously in my prior life in an engineering services company, it was you know, come in and it's, okay, what do you guys do? And it's essentially anything. We develop products throughout the entire vehicle, whether it's propulsion systems, full vehicles, assisted automated connected vehicle technology, testing, validation, everything. And that's just, uh, that's nowhere near the, the realm of what Bosch does, right? <laughs> okay. And okay. You, you're talking about uh, all these different places, e- even within like this this relatively small use case of, of parking situations in which you have, you open up the coat and you have a hundred things to pick from, right? how, how do you personally go about, you know, approaching these conversations? And, you know, if you get someone to ask, okay, what do you guys do? The, the answer is legitimately just about anything in in the vehicle, but that doesn't do anything to actually move the conversation around, right? That doesn't help you get to a, a an answer, a solution to a problem. So can, yeah. can you speak to how you've uh, evolved kind of learned through that process of how you actually approach these situations?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So um, externally, um, I gave some, some I think, some good examples earlier of, you know, projects with folks like Ford and Bedrock and Enterprise and so forth. Um, so that's really about just helping them, helping those parties understand what's, you know, unique about our product and what the unique combinations of our products um, can bring to the table. Um, there's also... Um, a very similar internal business development effort where you know because we're so big and we have so many divisions and products as you just mentioned you know going around and making those teams aware of in this case the capabilities that the lab offers and trying to you know help um, explore with them how does your technology touch a parking related use case and how would we then deploy it and what would be meaningful for your technology relative to the lab you know how do we you know what type of third parties would you like to bring in to look at it so um, you know it's it's you know a a problem that we're, we're so big but it's also a blessing because there are so many places to look but you just gotta you know my job is to really understand our portfolio and you know where we're trying to go from a strategy and planning perspective and then Reach into the organization and kind of grab those solutions that are meaningful towards those objectives, and then bring them into the lab and try to help evolve them that way. Hopefully, that answers your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And I know there's not a a, a buttoned up, um, simple answer to such a complex situation, but yeah, that that makes sense. It's, it's got to be a challenging and fascinating role for sure, play, playing with all this different tech. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a good amount about the tr- Detroit parking lab what you guys are doing there um recording this in early September 2022 right on right on the doorstep of the uh 2022 North American International Auto Show coming up which yeah you know the nice display of technology typically um I don't know anything you want to highlight going into this beyond what we've already talked about um that you you guys are you, you in particular are specifically uh excited about
1: yeah this is um such a huge event for our industry and um uh, i cannot be more excited about the fact that it's in september now instead of january um and that you know offers so many things i think the planners of the auto show have done a great job of you know activating not only the traditional um, convention center format but also the surrounding downtown area um, and uh, so it's going to have a, a lot a different look and feel to it this year um For us, you know, at Bosch, because we don't, you know, we're not necessarily from a a mobility perspective, we're not necessarily a consumer products company. You know, we don't have a display on the main floor, but we we do have um, um, a presence there, kind of like a combination hospitality slash tech suite where we invite our customers and partners that we know are attending the industry preview days to come and, you know, talk to us and talk about our technology. And then, you know, tying back to the Detroit Park Lab, we're um, also going to have all those technologies and more that I was talking about activated so people can come to the lab and see um, what we're doing there. And then we're going to run a, um, a shuttle between the, the lab and the primary auto show um, venue. And, you know, we're fortunate to have um, Enterprise sponsoring that shuttle for us. It's just going to run a loop back and forth between the two the two um, properties. And again, this is not for the general public. This is for industry um, preview days, September 14th and 15th. Um, but, you know, we're excited um, to be back after a couple of years off um, due to the pandemic. And, um, you know, the, the um, activations that are going to be downtown and the OEMs that have chosen to continue to participate, you know, will be there in force and um, we will be there uh, alongside of them trying to um, promote the event and promote our own um, activations as well as our collaboration with Ford and Bedrock in the state at the smart parking lab.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It should be exciting. And uh, I, I tend to agree on the timing. I think that we're getting into a couple of my favorite months of the year in, in the Detroit area here and that uh, yeah, much nicer than freezing when you're running into the auto show and trying to make your way through snow.
1: Yeah. And I, I really think that the city is going to show up for this. Like it's, it's, um, um, kind of a bold attempt at a new format. And I think it's personally that it's going to be, um, very well received you know, you're going to get a lot of the elements that people who've gone to the show are familiar with and love, but you're going to get a bunch of new stuff to, to, um, take in and experience, um, alongside of that. So, um, this should be an event to remember.
0: Cool. what, well, what goes into your, uh, Prior, so you mentioned the mobility space so uh, other bosch um, business units that are direct to consumer um mobility space for the most part your, your b2b right and that's right. um how do you think about i don't know, brand building marketing promotion to the end user of, of vehicles and the people who are ultimately going to to buy the vehicles versus that direct communication with your your direct customer often the oems
1: yeah i mean i think the 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 primary focus for us is that direct customer um, and the the people in the ecosystem that allow us to be successful in in you know delivering our solutions um, to the industry. So you know it'll sound a little bit cliche, but like we want to hit the easy button. We want you know through the parking lab, we're going to provide a place for those folks that are coming downtown to park, and we're going to give them a free shuttle ride. You know down to to the venue, when they're at the venue, we're gonna give them a place to, you know, come and, uh, you know, have a seat and and grab a cold beverage and and just relax a little bit to take a break from all the stuff that uh, is being thrown at them. But then also, you know, have technology there. You know, this is the second part of the easy button, which is, you know, we have solutions to solve the challenges. So we'll have a pretty robust portfolio of our products across all those mobility sectors, uh, or sorry, mobility divisions. Um, that will um, give a people give people a really good idea of the breadth and depth of um, the technologies that we're bringing to the market, um, and you know we'll have all that readily available and easily accessible to to those folks that we're inviting uh, to join us there. Cool. But from a consumer standpoint, you're right. You know it's it's you know we're we are um, kind of quietly toiling um, to bring those solutions to our OEM customers, but from, you know, the consumers that are coming down to look at the vehicles, um, you know, it won't always be apparent that it's a Bosch technology on one of those vehicles, but when we get a chance to highlight that, we will.
0: Yeah. M- makes sense. And it's, it's the, the challenge, you know, that most of these, com- most companies who are in the background have of uh, you know, often the, the consumer brand isn't typically there. Not, not that it's necessary, but it, I don't know, sometimes I don't know if it's from a recruiting perspective or whatever, um, can can be a, and certainly with my my prior company it was a challenge of like I I'd never heard of them until I got into the industry and uh, yeah and but I guess most people are at least because you guys have the consumer brands outwards facing the the name Bosch is certainly familiar even if you if they don't know exactly what you guys are doing. That's
1: right, yeah, and I think we're we're okay with that. I mean, we just want to make our um, customers look good, and and you know, in this case, it's the OEMs and. Um, this is their event and their their chance to shine, and um, we want to do everything in our power to to make them successful at the event.
0: Cool. Um, so definitely, this, this has been a lot of fun. I got just a couple couple kind of wrap up questions here. Um, so one one I like to ask a left turn career question, but something I like to ask most of my most of my guests is uh, so resources that have had a big impact as on you. Um, I don't know throughout your career, and it, it could be professional it could be personal too um so maybe thinking about books or anything like that it doesn't necessarily need to be a book but is there anything that comes comes to mind as something that you read listened to experience or whatever that had a significant impact on you
1: yeah i um i probably will have a little bit of an unconventional answer here um probably the book that i've read that that um has really resonated is not a business book it's um it's the biography of um, George C. Marshall, the, um, you know, um, the great military mind of, of World War II and not even necessarily the, the the military part of it, but all the challenges that he went through, um, through the Marshall Plan trying to rebuild after the war and hmm. and um, kind of the, you know, the, the, the global power structure and um, you know, trying to get people to do things that they they don't didn't really want to do at that time. Um, there are so many ties to what we do in the business world, and um, just you know, the book was like you know six inches thick, and it took me forever to read it, but uh, it was it was really powerful. So um, that one stuck with me, and you know, I'm from Pittsburgh. He's a Pittsburgh guy, so I had that little bit of a, a connection as well. So I would recommend that one. Another one, I. I'm just gonna throw it out there i've I've been trying to read some uh Hemingway which I've never read other than what I had to do in high school um because uh this guy's so prolific and I'm really trying to um uh, you know come to love his uh his writing as well that has been a little bit more of a challenge but I'm still pressing forward there's a lot to there's a lot to read there too
0: yeah that that's that's cool here I mean and also I, I see the, the Pittsburgh football helmet and we're recording this day after a pretty exciting opening football game for uh Pittsburgh against West Virginia last night if you, if you that's right there. yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah that, that's that's interesting to hear I mean so I, I I'm still on the the earlier side of the career but I, I found even that like you know the first when I was in college and kind of early early career stage it was uh more kind of black and white kind of tactical business like hey here's here's how things work. Um, here's kind of a playbook you can follow, which had the biggest impact, but now as I've gotten into more complex roles and there's less, uh, kind of black and white problem solving, it's more about frameworks and thinking about kind of by analogy, how some, someone like you mentioned, Marshall, or like I went on a, uh, I forget exactly what they called, it, but as at Gettysburg a few months ago to work walking through the battlefield with uh, a leadership program learning about from what these individuals experienced, uh, how, how you can apply those principles of business. And that, I don't know, it seems like at, at some point I saw an inflection point, point at least in my own uh, own life, where those types of things become more impactful than the the kind of pure playbook things.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a huge fan of history. I think um, history is our greatest teacher. And, um, you know, there's endless amount of uh, resource and reading there about, you know, things that happened years and years ago that still impact us today. And, and, um, the strategies that applied then are, you know, equally applicable to our, our business world. And I think will be forever because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all still dealing with humans. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's where I get my motivation and learning is through history.
0: Cool. Well, Kevin, like, like I said, t- ton of fun here. I think I, I learned a good amount specifically about parking and this complex yeah. ecosystem. And, uh, what, what you guys are doing there um wh- anything i guess maybe, maybe two part one anything we missed that you're hoping to talk about or if not is there anything that you're hoping someone listening to this conversation takes away from um takes away from this
1: yeah um first of all um very thorough discussion so i don't think there's anything um missed that i need to add um from a takeaway standpoint i think um I really want to stress the power of collaboration um, and, you know, looking to collaborate with with the the not obvious collaborators, because I really feel that that's where the best solutions come is from the the unexpected um, collaborations. And also, um, you know this this open approach where um, you've got folks that are potentially um, competitive to each other being willing to collaborate um, in a space that's open for others um, to come and experience. And um, we're already seeing that across our business that, you know, this, this more openness um, is going to be required because the problems are more complicated. The technologies are more complicated and there isn't anybody that can do it themselves. Um, So, um, you know, use use the smart parking lab as a, as a, an example of how open collaboration can be for the benefit of all i guess that would be my my parting thought
0: awesome yeah can completely agree there and i think that's a that's a great place to leave it so thanks again kevin really appreciate it and uh best of luck to you
1: all right thanks brandon take care
0: well there you have it hope you enjoyed that conversation with kevin Mall. so what, what stands out two two big things to me so one This topic of automated parking, really interesting. So there's a tremendous potential here. There's so many different ways in which there could be a benefit. And from a convenience factor, safety factor, we talked about efficiency factor for the ability to fit more vehicles into a given parking area, parking structure, if you're able to remove the driver um, from from that aspect. If also what you can do with that vehicle, kind of the downstream effects of what can be done if you do add in the ability to remotely or automatically in an automated fashion, move around those vehicles without a driver. We're just scratching the surface, but there's a ton of potential here. It's also not that difficult from a technical perspective to actually solve these, right? So, yeah, there's complexity and uncertainty like like any automated driving, self-driving type application. But we're talking about lower stakes here. We're also talking about, I think, lower complexity and lower challenge than on-road applications, especially at high speeds and dense areas with pedestrians and on predictable traffic these are controlled areas we're talking about so for the most part it's a technology test that can be can be overcome but the interesting thing now the business model how i think and personally that seems like the biggest hurdle the business how how do we actually come together and the right players all come together to put something like this into in in place and it's you know could be Bosch, it's the OEM, it's the owner of a parking structure, it's maybe the local entity, it's, there's, there's multiple players there, the local government or governmental entity is what I'm meant to say there, but there's, there's many different players here coming together, right? And how, how can they all work together to implement a solution that's net positive, but also that none of them completely owns? And this is automated, parking isn't the only um, situation that has this challenge, but it's Certain, certainly a great example. And that, that gets to the second point of something like this Detroit Smart Parking Lab. Really, really interesting. So there's plenty of these types of things that have been put into a place, demonstrator type things, which I don't think really have achieved the intended goal. I think it's kind of a surface level. Um, yeah, we show off some technology, it works in a given environment, but it doesn't actually apply to the real world. But the, the question, part of what we talked about here is how do you actually put something like this into effect and utilize it in a way that has meaningful real world impact, whether it's demonstrating for downstream customers, for collaborators and stakeholders, for actually proving out the technology and the business model, all of these types of things. And so that, that's, that was what's interesting to me, the way Kevin, other co-founders, other players in this Detroit Smart Parking Lab ecosystem are working together to actually have something in place here that provides real world benefits sooner than later. So really fun discussion. I certainly learned a good amount about uh, automated parking. Hope you did too. As always, more great stuff to come next week. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Future of Mobility podcast brought to you by Edison Manufacturing and Engineering. If you have a need for a trusted manufacturing partner for low volumes of highly complex products then please visit us at edison-mfg.com or feel free to shoot me a note directly at brandon.bartnick at edison-mfg.com or visit my LinkedIn page, Brandon Bartnick. Edison specializes in build and assembly of highly complex products and annual volumes of 10 to tens of thousands, utilizing an agile and capital light approach. If you're making an impact in the mobility space, we'd love to help. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Future Mobility Podcast.